0: Welcome to episode number 93 of the Video Game History Hour presented by the Video Game History Foundation. Every episode we'll be bringing in an expert guest, someone who's done their research or lived through it and has an interesting story from video game history to tell. My name is Kelsey Lewin. I am the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation and I'm here as always with Frank Cifaldi, the founder and co-director of the Video Game History Foundation.
1: Our guest today is Drew Mackey who runs one of our favorite new blogs, Thrilling Tales of Old Video Games. I think a tagline on its about page sums it up best. Uh, I like learning new things about old video games. Well, hey, us too. (laughs) Drew is here today to talk to us about Street Fighter 2, or more specifically, just how some of the characters in that game got their names. Drew, welcome to the Video Game History Hour. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So really, the, 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 the biggest deep dive you've done here is on Blanca. And I think we should just go right into Blanca, right? I mean as your blog post asks, you know, shouldn't something called Blanca be white? I mean, what what do you mean by that? I mean, that since
2: I was a little kid growing up in a city where a lot of people spoke Spanish and just being there, you would kind of just absorb basic Spanish. I knew my color words and being in the arcade at like a birthday party and watching people play this green guy. It was really weird to be like, why? Why is he Blanca? And I've wondered about this since I was about eight years old, and it took me until now to come up with the best possible reason. I'm like 99% sure it's correct, uh, but Capcom has never said, yes, this is the reason, uh, officially.
0: All right, so before we talk about your theory, um, because it is a very interesting and very cool one, uh, I want to talk about what the well I guess I don't know Let, let's actually start a little bit more with who Blanca is I mean Blanca is kind of like this beast man character right and we can mm-hmm. talk about the conception of uh, of Blanca a little bit first like it how did very, the
1: very uncomfortable conception yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. I
0: mean he used to be a human boy I- according to the oh, canon I thought,
1: I thought you meant the conception of the character like who he was Cap before Mom's. he became yes. that's
0: what I meant and I thought you were talking about uh, like beast people have you know what I'm not gonna go there um <laughs> we're talking about conception. Anyways, uh, in the video game sense, um, yeah, what are what are the origins, the very uncomfortable origins of Blanca?
2: Well, uh, if you get the 30th anniversary collection, you can look at some of that uh, behind the scenes production art that Capcom includes on there, one of the things you see is a lineup of eight Street Fighter characters who are absolutely not the Street Fighter characters we got in the game. Um, the closest, I think, to what is in the game is a version of Chun-Li, whose name is Jili and is a slightly different version, but the rest of them are way off. And you can kind of go through and say, like, I think this guy turned into Dal-Zim. Uh He originally was called Great Tiger, and he wore a turban and looked almost exactly like the Punch-Out character. And then the last of the group is an African fighter named Anabebe. And he's hard to look at. And uh, even considering what was going on in video games back then, it is very clear why Capcom said, let's not use this character, because he amounts to a pretty offensive
1: stereotype. Yeah, but uh he did eventually evolve and and I think if people have played the game, they're probably familiar, of course, with Blanca. He's he's the the green beast man. He has uh weird biting moves, he has electricity powers, he, he can he can do that sort of rolling at you thing. Um so as Kelsey was kind of getting to, there are existing theories online Mm -hmm. uh, for where his name came from. Um, So, I mean, I I imagine you're starting here when you're trying to figure this out, right? You're asking yourself, okay, why, why is he called Blanca? Right. So you, you kind of start looking into like, well, what do people think already? Uh, I did. I'd actually looked this up back in the day. And
2: back in the day, a very popular theory about where Blanca's name came from was on the English language Wikipedia and then kind of spread out from there in the way that a lot of misinformation about video games tends to spread. Uh, but there was a theory, I don't know actually where it originated. And it said that Blanca's name came from a Portuguese phrase, Omen Branco, which means white man. Um, but actually, that itself was a revision of an earlier explanation that said that the name came from. Ombre Blanca, which is Spanish, which is not what they speak in Brazil, and that that was the explanation for where this character's name came from. And even back then, I was like, that just does not sound right to me as someone who uh, is a big linguistics nerd and likes to debunk folk etymologies. I know folk, folk etymologies are very tempting because they offer a very tidy answer, but they often are based on nothing. Um, this one seems strange to me for a lot of reasons, especially because he's not. He's not white. He's he's, he's famously right. green. So it'd be weird that anyone would be like, "Look at that white guy over there
1: uh, when he's green." You know, and it just seems like way too complex for Street Fighter Two. I mean, Street Fighter Two, uh, it's kind of like Punch Out, right? It, like its core humor, which is very dated, is is stereotyping nationalities, right? And like, uh, not only does that not fit. It, I mean, the character himself is is also sort of the odd one out here. Like, I don't think anyone has ever stereotyped Brazilians as being monsters right like we have ideas about what brazilian people might be like in the u.s and they're not green
2: electricity monsters um yeah right (laughs) yeah it it is it is weird that like of the seven original fighters you can pick from he doesn't really seem to be based off any nationality and i think him being brazilian is almost um random like it like the, the character was conceived and then they put him in brazil because of the amazon much later down the line
0: yeah, it's just like, he's wild jungle beast, and I don't know, where has jungles? Ah, Brazil, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, so that the, the, there's there's the sort of white man theory, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm not buying at all, but uh, there's Correct. another one that, that also seems like kind of a huge stretch uh, involving memory loss or something.
2: Yeah, so this one came along after, and I think it is an example of... Um, a lot of the things, the video games we play when you are an English-speaking American person and you don't have access to the original materials uh, from the Japanese-speaking people who made these games, we tend to wonder about stuff and we contort our logic into sorts of weird pretzel shapes in order to like make something fit and if that's the best possible explanation, that's what ends up spreading online. So the second one is spread online is that it had to do with the fact that he allegedly has no memory. And, uh, there is allegedly a Portuguese phrase, uh, bronco which means uh re- we would use to refer to amnesia which again is not true uh, if you look if you talk to a, a portuguese speaking person they will tell you that um there is this term bronco that pertains to a sort of memory thing but it's when you're drawing a blank like i know the thing and it's just right there um it, it is actually i think a cognate for how we use blank in that sense um and this also seems very silly to me because blanco does not have amnesia like he's a jungle boy who is raised by uh wild animals and it's not like he doesn't remember who he is he's just like he was raised in the jungle he doesn't he doesn't doesn't know you know
0: well we don't know i mean the the canon is like he was in a plane crash and now he's become a beast man but like it's it doesn't go into that much depth right as to like what age he was when that happened and like any of that stuff right
2: if it's ever mentioned, it's mentioned inconsistently because it's not the sort of thing that I think Capcom worries about too much, at least back then. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it is a funny little puzzle where they just threw this information at us and we're like, yeah, figure
1: it out, kids. You know, the, these explanations, I don't, I don't know. It's like, uh, we see this sometimes in, in video game history where people kind of find this very tenuous link and just kind of hyper focus on it. But it's like, you you look at the big bigger picture of street fighter 2 it's like they're not coming up with like clever names based on native languages for these characters they're just kind of naming them whatever (laughs) sounds good and and the idea that that they would find a a brazilian portuguese word that that like invokes memory loss and 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 like assign that to the kids like have you looked at the other characters
0: (laughs) well especially when you talk when you I mean, we'll get to them, but especially when you look at how all of the other right. characters were named. I mean, none of them are nearly this complicated of an explanation.
2: No, they're just grabbing a thing from somewhere else and be like, that's it right there. We'll just slap it on there and hope that we don't suffer a lawsuit about
1: it, which is they, most, <laughs> they mostly have All All right. So those are the existing theories. Uh, you have your own and, and, and I buy yours. Uh, so, so go on. Center stage. What, what's your theory? How did Blanca get his name? So the, the reason I actually found this was uh, just
2: Googling around for basic information about stuff. I did come on to the TV tropes page for street fighter characters and on the TV tropes page, do I need to explain TV tropes? Do people know what that website is? Do it. Do so do it. it is sort of like Wikipedia in that it's a uh, user edited and submitted, but it is just a collection of various done things in pop culture that different franchises or comic books or TV shows or whatever do. And it's extensive and it is probably roughly as reliable as a Wikipedia page, because anyone can put anything there. But someone did update Blanca's page to say that his name came from a bygone resort uh, in Japan called Hama Blanca, which was a combination rainforest-esque botanical garden, but with also live shows and musical reviews and ladies in costumes that are possibly reminiscent of ones you'd see women wearing at like a carnival in actual Brazil. And this was very interesting to me because it didn't explain it any further, but I was like, wait, what? And then started looking into what this place was and where it was. It was in Wakayama, which uh, if I understand correctly is close enough to where Capcom's headquarters would be that they would have been, um, subject to advertisements for this place as like a quick weekend getaway, or I think even a day trip. I don't. I don't think it's that far from um, Capcom is based in Osaka. Is that correct? Uh, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I have it in my article. Uh,
1: <laughs> it is just a lengthy. Really put piece us on of... the spot. Yeah.
2: Some people would know that off this the top. This is why of their... we have
1: guests. <laughs> yes, I know. So we have guests to explain this stuff to us. We don't have to know this stuff. <laughs> Tempted to keep this in.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think uh, the way I write these articles is like i make money in my research process as it happens and how uh, yeah. uh, sifting through great deals of information, some of which is actively false, is very frustrating and uh, interesting. It leads you to many avenues. This is part of it. Looking at this thing that I made uh, maybe two months ago, I'm like, well, I don't know where that part is.
0: Well, I mean, I think. I think this uh this is probably pretty relevant to Frank who worked on the Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection and uh, uh yeah does I'm, not remember all of the details of this I'm that he's so put of, in there. sort of
1: uncomfortable <laughs> with how much uh my work is used as a source here cuz um I th- I think you said earlier like what Capcom said in Street Fighter 30th no that was me and <laughs> Capcom had no notes that so. is that I mean that, that sounds like research right. <laughs> so my research is pretty good and i had a big stack of books and magazines and 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 most of what you're getting here is from uh i don't remember the name of it but it was a book published in japan around 94 it came with a cd on the cover and it got into the making of street fighter and that's where the the sort of original concepts for the original street fighter 2 all that stuff comes from there oh interesting um, okay but um, and so, yeah, that was all me just scanning that book and, and, um, getting it translated by, uh, I believe it was Clyde Mandolin tomato that I hired to translate that stuff. But, um, yeah, that's my research that you're trusting there that's translated by someone else. So, uh,
0: anyways, the, the point is, uh, we all forget our own research like weeks after we complete it. So, yeah. Uh,
2: I I I have I have a podcast that's unrelated to video games, and I'm constantly being asked to recall things that I may have recorded several Mm -hmm. years ago, as if because like the person who's listening, they just listened to it, and it's like, yeah, that was that was this very moment for you. That was years ago for me. You have to give me more context and a little bit of research time. But uh, Capcom is in fact in Osaka. I was correct in uh, guessing that, (laughs) and it is plausible that they would have been familiar with this resort, and this resort might have represented a sort of geographically vague jungle atmosphere that was probably what they were going for initially with this character before they tied him specifically to Brazil, that that is how his name got stuck. Uh, that is how the name got stuck to him. The name initially in planning stages was actually Hama Blanca, um, usually written in with uh, English characters as one word. Um, and that is literally translates to white beach in Japanese.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's like they called him Hama Blanca, right? They, 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 they like- did. They called him Amablanca. Uh, Akiman, the the character designer, was eventually asked. He doesn't remember specifically if that's where Blanca's name came from, but he remembers Hama Blanca existing. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's no way that name Hama Blanca, came from a vacuum. I just like it's. I'm, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, cor- correct. It's not like just, case closed here, but but there's, come there's on. just
2: there's just no other explanation for why they would have had this word meaning beach shoved in this character's name when he's not related to the beach at all. It, it has to be this like right. <laughs> or white. It has to be this bright, colorful jungle garden, because that's what they were going for more than anything specifically Brazilian, if that makes sense.
0: And I want to be clear. the So this was actually asked of uh, of Yasuda, and his answer was basically just like, maybe I've forgotten. And that's, you know, we're never going to get a better answer than that, probably.
2: <laughs> and we really can't blame him, given the conversation we've just had about how like our brains flush out this information as soon as we have to replace it with new stuff. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I get it.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to remember this conversation in a week. <laughs> like, I'm going to no quiz effects. you
0: on, on where Blanca's name comes from on the next podcast. Okay. I hope you're ready for that.
1: Uh, that one I might get. Cause I had okay. to read it. I had to write notes. We had to talk about it. Like it's like triple I'm gonna threat. I'm going to quiz here, you on a podcast.
0: You know? We did like four weeks ago. That's not going to work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Twitter so, is for.
1: That's what Twitter is for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, I mean, this is a really cool article with a, um, I think a really cool conclusion and, you know, just not something that I, this isn't something that would have been easy to tease out of the creators, I think, because I mean, as, as we just demonstrated, they've probably completely forgotten at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, But you did another article that's basically like the rest of them, the rest of those guys, the cast of Street Fighter, um, Street Fighter 2. Um, so I want to talk through some of those too, because um, I think those, knowing all of those and where those came from, I think lends additional credence to uh, your explanation here, because they really are all very, um, they're getting these names from very simple places. The explanations aren't always like super cut and dry, but they really are coming from pretty, pretty simple places here. And,
1: and I do not believe that there a lot of thought was put into any of these names. You know, I think they were just jotted down and they survived, you know. And I, I agree with you. And I think sometimes when I say stuff like that,
2: I think people will think that I'm like dumping on the creative process. And I'm like, no, I love no. it. I love that these <laughs> like, what was a momentary decision made decades ago is something that ended up being this character that's persisted and is widely known. And nerds like me are wondering, like, what's the story there? Well, it's probably not a story. It's probably a very silly explanation. But I still, wa- I still want to know what that explanation is all the time.
0: So let's, I mean, let's start with the, uh, the most famous characters. Um, let's start with Ryu and Ken, which I, um, was in the camp of believing the sort of like popular theory about their names, meaning dragon and fist and just being like, yeah, the, that's, that's dragon and fist and that's where the, uh, shuriken comes from. And, um, so can you explain first of all, what that theory is and then, um, what the actual reason is? Cause it's even simpler.
2: So um, the show Are you Can, which I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast probably knows, is their signature uh, aerial uppercut move, and literally translates to rising dragon flit, rising dragon fist. With Ryu, I said I think I said Ryu. I know it's Ryu. I'm so programmed by like decades of talking about video games that I have to like actively train my brain to not say Ryu, but Ryu. We won't can you- judge you. some people will some people already have it's fine Ryu (laughs) Ryu's name means dragon and Ken means fist and um it would just make too much sense that they would be combined into uh their most signature move the thing that bonds them together um like the thing that's most iconic for the series and that makes sense and I'm sure Capcom was trying to do that but Ryu's name comes from A different place. Uh, The two creators of the original Street Fighter, uh, Takashi Nishiyama and Hiroshi Matsumoto, um, used their own names to generate the characters' names. And uh, I worked with two wonderful translators to make sure that I wasn't getting my understanding of Japanese language wrong, because I'm not a fluent speaker, and they are. And they talked me through exactly how this happened. But um, a kanji in Nishiyama's name can be pronounced the same as the kanji for dragon. And... I believe Ryu's name has been uh, represented with both of those, although now more often it gets represented with the Katakana, um, which uh, I'm not sure what the reason was for that shift, but it essentially made it harder to notice like what his name used to be back in the day. Um, Ken's name similarly was originally supposed to be Yu, which is very surprising because the main characters would have been Ryu and Yu, which is not catchy in my book. And um, you can find preliminary materials from the first Street Fighter where he's referred to as that. Eventually, they decided to switch it to Fist and initially represented it with the Kanji for Fist. And they've since stopped doing that. And his name is usually represented with a Katakana as well.
1: And it might be worth pointing out that these names are were... You know, conceived of for the first Street Fighter, um, which is it's probably its own can of worms. If you're going to get into it, like Birdie, you know, where's Birdie come from? Um, birdie and Eagle. But, that's how they represent. And I think those are actually a, a golf
2: joke because British people like golf. That's the only explanation I can think of for why the British guys are called <laughs> Birdie and Eagle. Isn't that weird?
0: I, You know what? I'm just going to accept that explanation. Sure. That's canon. straight up. I like it. <laughs>
1: All right. Who else do we have here? I I just have written down Guile's name actually comes from a misunderstanding. Can you explain that?
2: Yeah. So um, when they were designing the character Guile, at some point he got that uh, iconic updo that he has. And someone working for Capcom pointed at him and they're like, oh, he looks like Jay Guile from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. The thing is they got it wrong. They were thinking of the character Polnareff, who's a completely different character and it was never fixed because it didn't really need to be. And Guile spelled differently ended up becoming the name, the name for this American super serious soldier guy. And the fact that (laughs) the reference is Jay Guile means that like Jay Guile's band is the eighties band that sings like love stinks and angel in the centerfold. And that is Guile's pop culture connection, which is very silly and very unlike super serious buff American military dude. But that's where we're stuck now.
0: So that, that's the inspiration for the Jojo character who is then misunderstood as a different Jojo character to be, to name Guile, Guile. Am I, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that's
2: as that's as straightforward as you can explain it. And then my favorite thing is that um, the Jay Guile's character, his name, his full name is Jean-Pierre, uh, Jean-Pierre Guile. And when... I'm sure this is something that you might have talked about at some point, but when Data East made the Fighters History video game that Capcom sued saying it was too close to uh, Street Fighter.
1: Right. I mean, we haven't covered that, but.
2: I, 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 I may, must have come across your desk at some point. Um, of the course. Guile Analog is a Frenchman named Jean-Paul. So <laughs> they took that name, uh, Jean-Pierre, I'm sorry. They took that name Jean-Pierre and assigned it to their Guile clone, which I think is a very knowing wink that they knew what they were doing and they were very much so creating like a, a fake guile on purpose and like not really trying to hide it.
1: <laughs> a more authentic guile. <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the real, the real guile. Cause it likens to the, uh, or harkens to the actual Inspiration for, or maybe not inspiration, but the thing that he looked like—the
2: accidental inspiration. Yeah, if you look up, yes. um, if you look up, if you look up actual Gal, he looks like a monster. Pol- Polnareff is the right one, but that's that's where it all came from.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's one where we actually do know where his name came from. I mean, which is a little bit rare, actually. Um, they when, admitted, when it. yeah. Looking at, yeah, and and also I think should be uh, uh, our North Star. Um, when it comes to how these things were named, right? Where like someone goes, "Oh, that looks like Guile," and someone just shrugged and went, mm, wrote "Guile" on the piece of paper, and that, <laughs> that was it, right? And 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 so you know, with with that in mind, I, I again, I, I I don't believe that they were looking for Brazilian Portuguese uh, clever words for for Blanca here. Um, but you know, b- much more difficult to pinpoint, I think, would be uh, Chun Li. Uh, how how did uh, well, I mean. How do we suppose her name might have come about? So the quote comes from the Art of Street Fighter book
2: where Nishitani is discussing specifically the origins of Chun-Li. And he says, I was flipping through a Chinese martial arts magazine when I saw a person with a similar name, similar to Chun-Li's name. It was Chinese, and I had no idea how it was supposed to be pronounced. So I guessed it would be Chun-Li. Then we simply picked that nice-looking kanji that would phonetically fit that name. And that's where it came from. I mean, It means, it means uh, spring beauty, which is a nice thing for it to mean. But... um yeah, they had it in their heads that there should be a female character first, and then they decided that it should be a Chinese female character because of the beautiful Chinese girl trope that you see a lot in manga, anime, and video games from the 80s. And uh, then they had the idea for this character, who's initially named Ji Li, and they dropped that and changed it to Chun Li, but the, literally just out of a magazine, and they're not going to tell us which magazine, and we're not going to know what the original name actually was exactly, and there might be an actual martial artist out there who doesn't know that she was the inspiration for Chin Lee, and maybe the, for lawsuit reasons it's better off that she doesn't know, but uh, she'd probably <laughs> like to know, right?
0: I love that so much, because that, um, that comes up a lot in uh, some of the other characters' names, it's just like, there is a random person I mean, in the, in the case of uh, M. Bison, and we'll get into the that whole that the most complicated part of this whole story um, eventually but like there's somewhere it's obvious that that's a a mike tyson thing but it seems like a lot of these the explanation is just like yeah some random fighter person we saw and we just kind of took their name
2: Mm -hmm. and this is the history we have to go on
0: yeah and i do hope that they all someday know that they were the inspiration for a street fighter character i would want to know
2: but like not to the (laughs) point that they like sue to the like
1: in a way that prevents the character from showing
2: (laughs) in later games
0: yeah only if they're chill about it
1: yeah (laughs) i mean maybe we should go into the bosses here right because uh you know you you mentioned uh uh m bison um and, and and the name there but really it's like you know, there's a lot of name switching in general going on with the four sort of boss characters in the original Street Fighter too. Um, so, what can you tell us about that, and and whether our suspicions uh, about uh, Mike Tyson slash uh, M Bison are, are correct? So I think it is
2: correct because I have some translated interviews where they mention it uh, outright. So at the very least, they're very aware of it. But uh, in the initial version of Street Fighter 2, the boxer was named Balrog, the uh, dictator was named Vega, and... Uh, no, I'm sorry. The boxer was named M. Bison, the matador was named uh, Balrog, and the dictator was named Vega. And because they got it in their heads that Vega sounded like a very good name in Japan, but a feminine name in Western countries, they decided that they should change the character names. And the easiest way for them to... well, that was the initial explanation for why the names shifted. So they did the very economical thing of rather than having the announcer guy record a new name, they just swapped the names, so no additional work had to be done on the part of uh, the voiceover person. And we had the three characters name three different sets of two different sets of names depending if you were in Japan or not. Um, the more realistic concern is probably that uh, this. Box This African-American boxing character from Las Vegas was just too similar to the real life Mike Tyson that they worried about getting sued. And that was probably as much of a motivation to swap the names as Vega, maybe not sounding big bad enough for them. But it happened. They got switched around. And at this point, at the real life Mike Tyson knows about it and hasn't sued Capcom. So it doesn't seem to be too much of an issue. But uh, I think it is... One of those things that I think um, maybe more people might know about the story about uh, in Street Fighter in, in Japan, the Street Fighter 2 bosses have different names. And I just like that the reason for the name shifting was purely like economical on the company's part. Like it, the cheapest possible solution to this problem was to just swap the names around rather than
1: give them new names for the international release. Yeah, It's like two lines of code, right? <laughs> it's just change, already... change the pointers. That's it. Yeah.
0: We've already made the, the sprites that say their names and everything. We've already <laughs> recorded everything. Um, okay, but does Mike Tyson know about Mike from Street Fighter 1? <laughs> I would love and to. And also, why is that not the same person?
2: Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't... I don't... It's just one of those nuances of the game's world that they're like, nope, they're two different people. You just have to deal with it. We're not going to explain it. There can be two boxers named Mike. I'm fine with it. But um, I like that, according to one of the Street Fighter endings, Balrog, uh, or... And bison, depending on who you're talking about, has a deep down fear of getting mistaken for the other guy to this day. And this is haunting <laughs> him that there's this other this other guy's gonna steal his credit.
0: You know, Capcom is a lot more um I, I haven't played a ton of Street Fighter. Obviously, I'm, you know, familiar with it, but certainly not not enough to like win the tournament and uh, see all of the end cutscenes and everything. And going through your article, I was like, you know, they have a lot more of a sense of humor about all of this than I than I thought.
2: I do too. I think now that they got past the point of getting sued by Mike Tyson, and they're allowed to joke about it a little bit more.
1: <laughs> well, I think in general, I mean, I, I think I felt that just working on 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 uh, the 30th anniversary game, just and just getting deep into the making of this stuff, which is it's it's not like I don't know. It's just very lighthearted. You know, I, I, this came out when I was a kid. So it was very serious to me. <laughs> you know, like These are very serious world warriors and they're really cool. But like looking back at, at, at you know, how stereotypy the, the stages are and, 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 and in a way that's meant to be humorous and, and just like the funny moves that they, they, they do and stuff. Like it's, it's a very lighthearted, fun game that, that I think is just kind of, become its own thing and is no longer you know viewed that way by anyone including the developers it's true yeah i mean i was a kid
2: when it came out too and it is funny thinking
1: about um
2: to us we were taking it very seriously and Mm -hmm. uh that may have never been the intention on their part
1: and another thing that just comes to mind for me quickly just is that um the same book that i was talking about earlier that was the main reference for me um there was an article in Electronic Gaming Monthly when I was a kid that was clearly like scanning the same book and doing the same thing I was, except they had no Japanese translators. Oh all. no. So, so it's just a lot of guesswork and and like, hey, look at this. Oh. What do you think? And it's just uh... <laughs> when, when, oh, it no.
2: when it comes to this very specific sort of like uh video game history writing, I think that was how a lot of people did go about it for a very long time. And that mm-hmm. is why I was motivated to find the actual like interviews where these things come up and then have them translated by someone who uh, is fluent and do as good of a possible job as I possibly can with this. uh, Just because um, there was, there's been a lot of sloppy work and we, we deserve to know the real stories as much as near as we can possibly tell them.
1: Well, and that's also why at the foundation, we, we focus so much on the source material that went into magazines because, um, if you're reading a, a, an old video game magazine as reference, you know they might be getting things wrong, and and if we have the original press release, and and, and I feel like we've had this discussion many times on this podcast, <laughs> you're you're, you're going to find things that they got wrong or that like they didn't know yet was important to focus on or or anything like that, and and um and so yeah, it's like. It, We're really trying to just get video game historians as as, as close as possible to primary source material as opposed to uh, relying on the work of others um, like myself with your work. I'm sorry. I think (laughs) I got everything right, though.
0: Well, like when I mean, when you think about who was staffing these magazines, especially back then, I mean, you are tasking, uh, you know, 21 year olds in a lot Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. cases to Look through. I mean, they're on tight deadlines. They are fresh out of college. They might still even be in college um, to look through, you know, a deluge of press releases and figure out what to put in there. I mean, of course, stuff's going to go wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say I, one of the things that I was very surprised when you reached out to ask me to talk about this little project I'm working on. Um, and I. I was gratified because learning about what you're doing and how you're taking the work seriously and like trying to get everything as right as we possibly can and get those primary sources. That's actually what motivated me to start my project. Uh, in the first place to be like, I can do a version of this that maybe won't suck. And, uh, (laughs) I would have been very happy down the line to be interviewed on your show, but, um, to have you reach out as soon as you did was, uh, took me wholly by surprise. Um, but, uh, Thank you. Thank you for doing that because you did inspire me to start this work in the first place.
0: Wow. Oh, thank you. Aww.
1: It's really nice to hear.
0: Right out the gate, you had some incredible articles that like clearly show uh, the kind of work that can be done when you have access to some of this stuff, which in, in the case of Street Fighter, I mean, it's a it's a better situation out there than I think some video games, just because we have had a um, you know, Capcom's cooperation, basically, in some of it. I mean, just in, in there being a Street Fighter 30th anniversary collection that included so much original art and, um, and documents and that sort of thing. I mean, there's there's at least a little bit more out there um, than there is for a lot of games. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully what we're doing at the Foundation means that uh, basically any video game is, is at least that easy, if not easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of joke about the lack of resources on that project, but realistically, there's a lot more developer insight published about Street Fighter 2 than, like, most games from that era, um, because it was huge, um, including in Japan, um, and Capcom as a company just wasn't all that precious with that information. You know, they were they, they were publishing um imagery of 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 the design documents and stuff like at the time you know mm-hmm. they they were they were they were doing it while the game was still fresh in the memories of the people who worked on it who still were employed at capcom mm-hmm. um which is which is really rare i mean capcom as a policy uh wouldn't allow us to talk to former staff for example um so we kind of had to rely on things that were published um so you know, Street Fighter is just a very fortunate situation, and it, I think, if anything, it shows that, like, well, even in in sort of best case scenarios, it's really hard sometimes to 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 get at the truth of this stuff. For sure, yeah, and um, the,
2: it's for those reasons that most of what I've written about is Nintendo, Capcom. I think Nintendo and Capcom at this point. I have some. Uh, old Squaresoft stuff I'm working on. But uh, there are questions I have about lesser known game and lesser love games that I might be the only person who even cares about. But like, it comes down to like, well, how do I get an interview with the guy who wrote Lufia and the Fortress of Doom? Um, how likely is that going to be to happen? And will you know what I'm talking about all these years later? And I don't know, just because there's less of a, there's less love. It was, it was, it was a less popular game, but stuff like that it is just not going to be preserved as well.
1: Yeah. And, and even when games have had a lot of coverage and in interviews and stuff like that, it's, you know, it, it, it is real work to put all that stuff together coherently, mm-hmm. um, and actually like tell a story from bits and pieces of other stories. So I don't know, like, I don't really know where I'm going with that other than you don't really necessarily, uh, need access to people to tell new stories. Um, the, there there's an art to sort of scraping together the bits and pieces that exist already and, and coming up with something new that uh, really anyone can do with a little a bit of elbow grease.
0: Well, I think this article is a, the perfect example of that. I don't know of any ar- other article that that goes through right. uh, just the name origins of I mean, it goes through a little bit more than that. But, you know, just kind of gathers all of the, the name origins in one place. And, um, you know, that's not really a story that's been told. Like this before. So well, and it's
1: also like not something that I would even think to question. Like I didn't care before this. Right. <laughs> you know? like, that's just their names, you know? Like, um, so but- I actually I, I get that
2: reaction a lot where people, um, mostly on Twitter, where people will be like, you know, like sometimes characters just named whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Like when I name my kid, like I, it didn't mean anything. I'm like, why didn't it name why didn't it mean anything when you named your kid something? Like I I want <laughs> I want there to be a reason why you're naming your kid something. And then I have to be like, well, actually, you know, if you look at these examples, there was a reason for these characters names. So maybe the other ones do actually have meaning. Um, But I am just a weirdo who always wants to know where those names came from and who made those decisions.
0: Well, the meaning doesn't have to be deep as evidenced here, you know, um, and as probably is the case with a lot of people naming their kids, too. I don't think I don't think I was named after anyone special. It was just a, a, a name they f- my parents found that they liked. And that's uh, that's kind of the same story of some of these, <laughs> these right. Street Fighter characters. We, we so. heard it
2: somewhere, so we liked it. We used it again. That's it.
1: <laughs> so, um I mean, we could get into a couple other characters, but I mean, I I think instead of doing that, let's just talk a little bit more about your project. So kind of give us the elevator pitch um, with this blog and, and what it is and why you're doing it. So uh, my main work is uh,
2: as a podcaster, and I used to be a writer back in the day. It had been years since I wrote anything. And after having taken a break from being very burnt out by writing, I started to get the itch to do it again. And uh, (laughs) we were supposed to have a New Year's Eve party, and it got canceled due to a COVID scare. So on New Year's Eve of this past year, I was sitting in my office with nothing to do, and was like, well... (laughs) Maybe I could write something. And the thing I wrote was uh, about Super Mario Brothers 2. And it was a list of all the elements from Super Mario Brothers 2 that ended up in later video, later Mario games. Uh, Because I Mm -hmm. had this this weird urge to prove that it wasn't, it is the black sheep of the series, but it wasn't like, you know, the unloved stepchild. It does have a place in that uh, Nintendo canon. And it wasn't just a dream. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's what some people want want you to think it is. And that's wrong. Um If but, it was
0: just a dream, then why do all these characters still exist
2: why 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 Bob bombs why bob bombs why <laughs> is Mario omnipotent Did he create the ninja
0: <laughs> through through his dreams
2: that 's the kind of post I will not do, but that post exists on message boards online anyway, so i don 't have to <laughs> but um, so I did that and then I was like, oh, I could do research on other video game related topics, and maybe that would be something that other nerds would like to read about and then also reading, like not putting stuff in videos. I made one video about Blanca. It's on YouTube. If you would rather listen to me talk about it, than um, uh, read the article. But like, I just thought the stuff that I was covering would make more sense in a written article than it would in necessarily a podcast or uh, a video. And, um, I like having that relationship with an audience where I'm the writer, you're the reader, and it's a different audience than a um, podcast listener or video watcher, you know?
0: I I do think text is more immortal than any of the other um, types of media. It's a Mm -hmm. a lot easier to sort of uh, uh, keep an article around forever than it is to keep like a video or an audio recording around forever. Just, you know, just from a purely, uh, uh, purely from a like preservation of the work you've done standpoint. Um, It's why we want to do transcripts for all of our podcasts and that sort of thing. It's a, it's a, a very eternal way of consuming things.
1: Well, not only eternal, it's just more easily crawled, I think is, is what's more important yeah, to me. You like can it's control much, F yeah
0: in <laughs> in text.
2: Yeah. And there's um there are people who are searching Google right now for specific things that you might have talked about in your episodes, but since it's not in text form, Google's not gonna catch it and they're just gonna be like, Oh, the answer's not out there until that transcript mm-hmm. exists. So yeah, transcripts are a super important part of uh making the knowledge of podcasts more permanent.
1: We're trying. <laughs> we've got we've got
0: like the first twenty something of them transcribed. If you uh if you want to join that project, by the way, feel free to email us. Um, we uh we could use some more hands on on if, that. If you love thankless labor, but but care As, about video games, well, um, for, I'll thank you. Okay. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> it won't be completely thankless.
1: So um, my my second ever job was medical transcription. And so uh, to me, it is forever thankless. Um, but, <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, the connections you make when you do that sort of thing, you're not ever going to know that someone found knowledge because of you. And uh, yeah, it's a very invisible sort of work, but super important.
1: Well, cool. I think that's a good place to stop. Um, gosh, thank, thank you so much, Drew, uh, for joining us on the Video Game History Hour. Uh, we're going to link to... All this stuff uh, in in the show notes, uh, including the the Blanca article itself. Um, And the other
0: naming article, which I encourage people to read because we didn't get to all of the characters. Yeah, two-parter. Yeah, there's some some really good ones in there. You'll
1: never guess where Honda came from. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But for those uh, uh, listening, uh, where can they they, uh, uh, find you uh, on the
2: Internet? Uh, the website, thrilling tales of old video games, thrilling tales of old video um, And then I am just on Twitter at drew G. Mackey, Mackie, M A C K I E talking about video games and probably trying to research um, some weird specific thing that no one else has heard about. Uh, if, you like my sort of deep dives, I would also like to give a plug to my podcast, which is called Gayest Episode Ever. It is a podcast about gay, queer episodes of uh, classic sitcoms. And we're about 150 episodes deep at this point. And um, I really like to <laughs> go as thorough as I can on old Bob culture to see what's there. And I, in my brain, these two projects are like closely uh, uh, related. Um, and I feel like if you like one, you might actually like
1: the other as well. But you have to listen to my voice on the podcast. Can't help that. <laughs> and here too, we're just surrounding you with uh, with Drew's uh, sultry voice. But uh, mm. <laughs> uh, all right, Drew, thank you again. This was fun. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Video Game History Hour, brought to you by the Video Game History Foundation. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can find us on Twitter at Game History Hour or email us at podcast at gamehistory.org. Did you know that the Video Game History Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit and that all of your contributions are tax deductible? You can support this podcast and all of our other work on Patreon or at gamehistory.org/donate. This episode of The Video Game History Hour was produced by Robin Kunamune and edited by Michael Carroll. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.